Hola, estrolos del internet. Bien enviado a otro excelente episodio de Ahora, este uno podcast. Es el que e amore. Mi nombre es Andrew Fasciano y mi amore de Mass Effecto es Daddy. Señor. Señor Zack. Señor Medernek. No es el diablo. Este uno. So, for anyone listening, we we have a freaking pregame chat where Drew was not speaking any fucking Spanish. Yes, it was Spanish. Um, I I chose Spanish because it is the language of love, and it is a very special episode of Now That's What I Call a Video Games Podcast. It is okay. the episode. So, now that's what I call love. <laughs> I feel like that's that's the actual name of uh, now that's what I call CD series, but um, like now that's what I call love volume five or something. Anyways, so so could you could you repeat what you just said, but in English? Sure. Um, this is an English I I'll be honest with you. I used very I simple sp- sentences, so I'm going to embellish a bit. Um, I said. Hello, strangers on the internet! Welcome to another exciting episode of Now That's What I Call a Video Games Podcast. Today's episode, Now That's What I Call Love. Where today, we'll be talking all about relationships in games. Love, romance, friends, rivalry, all that good stuff. My name is Andrew Fasciano, and fun fact... My love during the game Mass Effect was Tally. Mm-hmm. My name's, uh, my name's Adam. Uh, I-, I am not going to be speaking all in Spanish. I I would sound like a damn fool. I could do this, though. Hola, como estas? Bien, y tú? Oh, man. And my romance, uh, and the person I romanced in the Mass Effect uh, was also Tally. Right on. I, of course, I never saw how that all, you know, ended, because, you know... Uh, you know, still haven't finished it, but, uh, you know, your boy, he was super cool. Alright, so, uh, I'm also not going to be speaking in Spanish, despite being the most Hispanic person on this podcast. You, you, you get, you get bragging rights um, from that. There you go. <laughs> I barely. Um, and, uh, in my, uh, Mi Amor de Mass Effect. <laughs> Efecto de Mass Effect. Uh-huh. Um, was friendship. Oh! Yeah. Oh, no, you didn't romance anybody? I make a point of it to never romance anyone in Mass Effect. I will, like, because I I genuinely believe the best ship is friendship. Aww. Mm-hmm. Zach, that's so sweet. That, that is. Know. It's true. And then when they betray you, of course, then it won't hurt as much. Because like, well, yeah, exactly. my friend's betraying me. That's okay. No, no, no. When, no. when you and say that, like, you, you, you don't get it. Like, I do I do 100% wrong when I do Mass Effect. I make sure zero people betray me. Like, <laughs> oh. like I, I have befriended everyone so good, they all stick with me to the end. Zach, I, that's kind of sad. It's like, to avoid getting hurt, you will just love no one. Um, <laughs> the only you way think that? is not to play. To be honest, to be totally honest, um... I just so in Mass Effect One, I don't think you couldn't romance Tally, who I probably would have gone for if I had gone for somebody. Yeah, I. Um, there we go. That's that's what I wanted to hear. So, <laughs> but but 
that wasn't an option, so I was like, okay. And I was sort of in the inclination that I was like, yeah, I don't want it. But, uh, but the only options were Ashley, who I was like, you know, you're cool. I like you. You're good to hang out with, but nah. And like the exact same opinion of, uh, oh, I forget her name. Liara. Uh, yeah, Liara. And I was like, Liara, you're great. You're fantastic. I just, I don't know if I'd romance you. Um, uh, and I so I just went the whole game without a romance. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, cool. I was kind of the same in Mass Effect 1, where it was like, Ashley, you seem cool at times. At other times, you seem crazy, like, humans first, fuck everybody else. And that's a little off-putting. I wasn't even super bothered by that. <laughs> See, oh, that was like, hey, hey, Krogan buddy. Hey, uh, Asari buddy. Hey, Turian buddy. Oh, hey, human. You want to stop shooting all of our, our extraterrestrial friends? <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, Liara was cool. But I didn't really, like, she's like, oh, she's kind of cool. I will have to say, in Mass Effect 1, I did end up on her romance route somehow. <laughs> like, you didn't like, do anything? Getting... It just happened? Like Yeah, because in, in the first one, the, if I remember the first one correctly, the first one didn't really put too much of a huge emphasis on the whole romance thing. It didn't. Uh, and it wasn't until the later games, because it's like, oh, it's a continuation of their relationship. But mm. I remember in... One at the very end, you get the romance uh, scene. Oh, right. and it was the, like that beautiful, beautiful sex scene. The one that and was up she, on the she, news. She like, she like walked in, is like, "Hey, Shepard, you want to do stuff?" I'm like, "What are you doing here? <laughs> Didn't I tell you to go check stuff? <laughs> what, why are you here?" And the game said, "You have romance. Uh, you have romance. They are like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah." Um, I, yeah, no, that didn't happen with me. I, I made, again, it was a purposeful point. I just befriended everyone real good. Um, and then Ashley died because she was she was up in the tower. Sorry, spoilers. Uh, you know what? Um, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you get by with it. I'll let you get by with it. All right. Uh, but, like, it's also... I won't. I'm upset. It's a surprisingly old game. It might be ten years old by this point. Um, yeah. So I think it was it was advertised like the later games were like that important decision matters. So I, I don't think it's really a spoiler so much as like this is a thing that happened very recently. But you know that's yeah. that's another topic. Spoilers in games. Oh my goodness. Oh well, here's another one. Writing it down. <laughs> we're doing it. We we were we thought we were like man, how long can we keep going? Can we even think of topics? Just just popping them out, popping them out all all the time. Mm, now we just gotta filter them through. How about you, Drew? Oh, I well, with me it was quite simple because I I done as I've explained before. I skipped the I skipped Mass Effect one, and when I got into two, um, my options were kind of like I didn't. Um, Liara wasn't in your party, and she shows up in DLC, and I didn't really understand what the big deal was about her. Like there was. Like, I didn't have any baggage from the first game. So for me, it was just like, oh man, here's this cool engineering lady. Like, okay, I'll go down this route. Because Jack is crazy. And Miranda's, like, not very trustworthy. Um, and I think there was someone else. I don't know, it was... You had the drug guy. He was super sexy man beast. I mean, I don't think if you're a dude shepherd, they allowed you to do that. Really? Yeah, no. Really? They didn't They didn't allow for those... The, uh... Homosexual romance. Oh no, yeah, they did. They did. They did. They no, I'm did. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure with that guy, they did. Um, did they let you romance uh, like male characters in Mass Effect Three? They did. They did. Yep. Or they. No, I'm not going to spoil one, it two. for you. Caden. Caden was available to everybody in Mass Effect One. Oh, that's oh, true. I see. Hmm. 
Well, in any case... Uh, and, um, and the art was available to everybody in Mass Effect 1. It's true. I, <clears throat> As someone who didn't play Mass Effect 1, I probably shouldn't talk about what you could and couldn't do in Mass Effect 1. Um, so... As somebody who hasn't played Mass Effect in a really long time, neither should I. So in any case, um, we've got a great show lined up, but how are how's your weeks going, guys? What's hip? What's happening? Anything groovy going on? Let's um, take this first. I'll go first, because okay. I'm going to steal a spotlight. It's, it's all mine now. Like, you can't, you can't have it. Oh, man. Anyways. That spotlight. So, <laughs> so um, I've been playing... Uh, I mean... Man, I still haven't played Pokemon in the last week, and it makes me bummed because I'm like, when am I gonna play this? But then I got. What about Sir Tenenbaum? Don't you ever think about him? Sometimes, yeah. Oh, I gotta get back there. Oh, I'm so tempted. Anyways, uh, I actually recently I've come under a throat issue, which isn't isn't like bad so much as it is annoying. Uh, like, do you just started feeling sick, or is it like uh, you have to go and talk to the doctor and everything? Mm, it's just it's just sort of like a very long acting sore throat, and it's not terribly heavy. Oh dear! Uh, it's again, it's more annoying than anything else. Okay, like it, if it, annoyance. If it yeah. progresses, let us know. We we want your voice and your vocal cords to be nice, loud, and healthy. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Don't Otherwise, we're gonna have to start doing sign language on this podcast, and boy, <laughs> am I gonna have to learn that quick. It's gonna be quite awkward. Yeah, that'd be a real challenge. Um. But yeah, so that's that's kind of been my week. Right on. Did you play many games or anything? Um, it's been a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen, and I did start um, a role playing. Like my my role playing game group ended last week, and so the, the or two weeks ago. So last week on Wednesday, we did um, we started up a game called Masks, which is about playing teenage superheroes. Oh right. Oh, man. That's right, you Ooh. mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, you did. So it has started, it has begun. So, well, we all made our characters. Um, and so I made a character, his name is Diego. Oh. He is, he is um, the game's code divided into classes, and my class is called The Delinquent. The Delinquent? Yeah. Um, it's somebody who's too cool for the rules and desperate for people's fucking attention. Aww. Um, Man, that's so, close to home. I can't believe this game. So I built like a male teenage Sombra who's really good at hacking and shutting down other people's abilities. And I have little spider bots and I named myself fucking EMP. I am and happy with all of those decisions, Zach. <laughs> Please keep me updated on what happens to no, EMP. Actually, the best the best part is is somehow I convinced my group to uh that that Diego's parents' basement is where the party's going to meet up. How old is Diego? Just, he's 18. Okay. Okay, then. Lovely. Diego, so everyone right. meets up in his basement. <laughs> oh, you sound man. like those guys from Watch Dogs 2. I never played that, so uh, I wouldn't know. It probably is, I gotta admit. I heard that was good. I, I actually do have a copy of it. I just, I've, ne- I've not booted it up and gone through yeah. that particular adventure. I don't actually have it. I heard two is like, pretty good, uh, but all of the characters look like, oh man, look at all these San Francisco alt tech nerd guys. See, Check them out. The weird thing for uh, me is I since well, I 
live in San Francisco, and I saw the trailers for that. Like, and you're getting hacked all the time, right? You live in SF? Well, no, it's like I'm looking at it, and like I keep reading up about how it's like this hyper-realistic version of SF, and then I look at the trailers, and I'm just like, no, that's not right. That's, that's, that, that building's not there. And I know that's just oh, me being like really nitpicky and annoying, but I, I kind of want to play through it and just see if my expectations are met that it's inaccurate. Well, it sounds like your vision has been hacked, and that's why you can't see correctly. That's, that's probably oh, true. Adam, Adam, what happened yeah. to you this, this past week? Let's see, what did I do? Uh, boy, work has just been been the best. You know what's great? Let's what? leave all of these big decisions until the very end. That's that's always fun. That that sounds like waterfall, dude. I thought you guys were an agile shop. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not getting into it. But just suffice to say, I've been busy. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know it, waterfall or agile is waterfall oh God, is a shitty old method. I... Agile is the cool new method. Just. <laughs> Just roll with that. Zach, Water I gotta tell you, there are people who would fight you on that. I don't care. <laughs> that's, the, that's the easiest way to explain it. Uh, Yo, man. So I'm works, on this new life's been busy. Agile scrum. It's the new hotness. <laughs> so, life's been busy. Work's been keeping you all nice, hot, and bothered. You been playing oh, anything God, cool? Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, uh, like I said, I wasn't having any luck getting Overwatch stuff so i was playing a bunch of that uh i finally caved and bought a few loot boxes and i got the one skin i wanted so oh, you got like, yeah. i got my zenyatta skin i was like yeah i'm oh, so happy. happy uh but mostly what i did this weekend was uh oh shit i forgot <laughs> <laughs> what's up i never mind Keep going. <laughs> oh i see he forgot something important uh i i played so, Final Fantasy XV has this limited time event going on, which is kind of weird for a single-player game to have, but whatever. Uh, so I was playing this thing, and it's like, look, it's this dream-like carnival land, go there. And it's like, oh, okay, so I did that. And one of the things you can get in it is a special fishing rod and a special fishing reel. And I was unaware, but it took me two whole days to get these damn things. Oh, <laughs> Why? In game, in game or out of game? Out of game. It took me a Saturday <laughs> evening and a Saturday and a Sunday afternoon. Well, was it just like a grind fest, or was it like you just had to wait? Oh, it's oh, it's the best. It's random. Oh no! no. In, the universe, in the universe, uh, you're on. You're in this city uh, called Altitia, and Altitia is kind of like Venice. You know, the city is built on top of the water, kind of like that. Not sinking though, so not like Venice at all. But. <laughs> What the event did was like, oh, look, we have these fish, and we tagged them. And if you fish uh, one out with a tag, we'll give you a special reward. Uh, and the rod and reel are, of course, the A and B prizes. There are three fishing, fishing spots. It's random if the particular fish will show up in any one of the three. And then it's random whether that fish will happen to be tagged. So I pulled out, like, eight of the biggest fish in the area. None of them had tags until I pulled out the ninth one. And it's not, like, it's not like Pokemon where it's like, I'm going to fish. I fish something. Oh, I instantly got it. So, this is a full mini game, and each of the big fish took like like three or four minutes to pull out. Oh, boy. See, that like, system I'm does... I'm really good at the fishing mini game now. <laughs> <laughs> like, really good. Yes. But, but this is limited, right? Like, after a certain amount of time, you don't even... Like, does this mini game go away, too? Is it just like... Uh, no, no. The mini game is like a core component of the game. It's 
the event, it's a limited event to actually get into the carnival kind of thing. It's, That's it's so weird bizarre. because it, it's a single player game and I've never seen a single player game. First to even get in, you had to get an item, uh, but the item was free to get in. Mm. Um, so, the, so you can get into the carnival for free, but the event is only was only running for a month, and I think it ends uh, on the twentieth. Mm. And there's nothing particularly like super important in it. It's just, uh, I think it's just for fun. And I actually might need to correct myself. Uh, there is. You might need to buy the holiday pack to get a to get the ticket to get into the carnival, oh. but there was also a free version of the holiday pack that came with some of the stuff. But if you bought if you paid for it, you got like extra goodies. Uh, but I think okay. both came with a ticket to get in. It, it, I'm not gonna get it. It's very weird. It but, is very weird. It's very strange. And I would I so so small interjection before we move on. Um, forgot to mention something about my week. I spent the weekend with my girlfriend, and we went out to dinner, and then we went to lunch, and then we hung out a bunch. Yay! Yeah. I just wanted to mention like... that offhand, because I'd feel like a total jerk if I didn't. Aww. Wow. Your, your passion is your so... Go fishing? You have so much passion. You just had to share it with the world. I... Sure, we'll go with that. Yes. Wow, wow that may... That sounds really... Hey, guys, I play video games a week. I was out with my girlfriend. <laughs> like, oh, oh. <laughs> Sorry, well, guys. I had fun, too. <laughs> Apologies to everyone in this podcast. Um, also uh, to everyone at home who's lonely and doesn't like being single. Zach, you're just you're just digging. Or, or where they're cool you're just with being digging single. deeper. Wait, Zach? let me finish this. Let me finish this. Okay. To everyone listening to this who's single and hates Valentine's Day, I've been there. I've been there a lot. I wow, really this is really weird interjection in the middle of hey, what did Adam do this week? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you I sorry, I I didn't I put it up. Anyways, uh, Adam, if you want to continue, he, he had to he had to make his point. So you guys just to, conclude, to, to cycle it off. It, it was a it's a fun event. It's actually pretty fun. It, I was getting more annoyed at how like shit my luck was, and if I had pulled it up a little bit without trying as many times, I may have had more fun. But after but at like five on Sunday, I was getting kind of pissed. Yeah. Well, I mean that—that's why I don't like time DLC or like the whole like random oh, random thing. Like I, part. I've got a little bit of a little bit of aggression towards Overwatch for the way they do loot boxes. I think it's, I think it's a bit of a you know little mental warfare there. But I love the game. So what are you gonna do? Uh, yeah. Uh, so best part about this. the fishing rod and reef thing weren't even better than the stuff I already had. It's just look how cool they look. It's well, like, that just yeah, makes me that's sad. I guess. That makes me sad. Well, uh, how about Drew? Um, well, let's see here. I my week has been relatively pleasant. I've uh, I went to the beach a couple times. Uh, my my musical friend Keenan decided to teach me how rhythm works. So oh, right. I I got that. I learned how to like I have this little drum, and I've learned how to actually use the drum in a way that is efficient. I don't know. Like my dad tried to explain music theory to me one time, and it didn't make any sense. And this time it made a lot more sense, and I'm kind of enjoying yeah. understanding the way it works. Um, yeah, no, it's Keenan's a fairly good teacher of that. Yeah, no, no, he, he he's good at those. He's good. He's good. He's good at that. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, 
Aside from that, um, game related, I didn't I didn't get any new indie games or demos, though I am excited. There's um there's the new Humble Bundle where they've got like a whole bunch of games and all the yeah! all the funding goes to that the ACLU. Crazy. It's it's fantastic. Well, that, I need to check this out, Humble Bundle. So oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Drew, I think I I think I spoke over you. What what is the the money going towards? Um oh yeah, so um what it's called the Humble Free Bundle. And what's happening in it is the minimum is $30, which is, you know, usually you get to name your own price. But you get a ton of great games. Um, you know, you get The Witness, Invisible Ink, Super Meat Boy, um, Below the Sea, um, Guacamole, like, like tons of great Guacamole. stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. That's the yep. one. And what the I like about it is fantastic. Is the funding goes to um, the ACLU. Um, it goes to, I believe, Doctors Without Borders, and it goes to one other third charity. It's all about raising funding for, you know, groups that maybe need a little help right now, given the state of the United States. Um, and, you know... There's more on fire! (laughs) Say what? (laughs) I heard fire. I don't know. Oh, I was saying, uh... Shit's on fire, man. Everybody could use funding. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's a really nice thing they're doing. I I'm so happy to see it. Um, now, there's a game in here called. Ninja do you get to Pizza pick Girl. which one your donation, your uh, contribution goes to, or is it like equally divided up amongst all of them? Like, if you put it down, could you say I want it? I want my thirty dollars to go to the ACLU versus I want it to go to Doctors Without Borders. Um, I believe you can specify you can how it gets set up, but I think what's what's cool about this one is uh, Humble Bundle is actually matching it this time. Instead of like Uh-oh. you know doing a humble tip, they're actually going to match the what's raised by about three hundred thousand, something like I that. See. They, to which they already hit that point. Well, I, I assume they did. It's like yeah. Tuesday, and they they talked about uh, it on they, Monday. They, they've hit three million, three and a half million. Yeah. Oh jeez. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of games in there. I was looking through the list and I just kept going. It's like this list is gonna end at some point, right? Like, no, like this is this is gonna gotta be a sale. They wouldn't give you all these for thirty bucks. I I think it's just a, a matter of people coming together and saying, what can we do to help in this in this time? And it's it's cool to see. It makes me happy. Um, they also so so one of the games in here. Um, they have a few audiobooks in here. And one of them is R in a nutshell. R oh yeah, a I saw that. Um, which is, <laughs> like, what is right. it? it? R is a it's a programming language. I'm not entirely sure what it's for. It's it's like it's like a it's scripting for, one. Um, it is it's it's a stats language. Oh, okay. So it sense. helps you with statistics. Huh. Or hmm. lets you program stuff with statistics. I might that's, I might get this kind of a one random with the R book. Mm. Yeah, that's like, kind of a random put in. I yeah. I, I don't know. I think I, I will say. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say I was looking through the list, and some of them did seem like that's kind of odd that this would be here. But whatever, man. I'm, yeah, I'm... no. It's it's a really it's it's a big list. If you want, like, spend thirty bucks, have enough games to play for like the next year, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that sums up my week. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's it's been pretty pretty lax, pretty chill. Um. I hear talk that Adam has a few wonderful stories to go over before we get into the meat of our episode. Well, this was, we have two quick ones. Uh, so each week, you know, we kind of look through some stories and like, hey, what, what, what was interesting that we might be able to talk about? Uh, one that I just found just now was that the 
God, what was the name of it? The Nokia 3310, that very, very classic brick like Nokia phone, is coming back into production. So later this year, you can put in a pre order and buy this damn phone, which will never, ever die. I. That's a good choice. Like, I, I I'm so no happy to hear that. Like, in a world where your phone, like, phones are super, like, how expensive is it going to be when they bring back the brick? I have to ask. Like. Well, so it's in British pounds. It's for 59 British pounds. Or, is that euros? It's a little C with, like, with two lines through it. Okay. I'm terrible. Huh? No, I'm just saying, I'm saying, oh, okay. I, I don't know which currency that is, but it sounds like. I think. U.S. it'll be about 70, 60. Pound. Because okay. it's on a UK website. Okay. Uh, I would, uh, to- I would totally invest in that. Fuck. <laughs> I don't know, bros. Bros, cur- this currency befuddles me. <laughs> but, wait, are you, uh, are you talking about... Wait, you're, you're talking about the brick that was that old school Nokia phone, right? Yeah, the blue and white phone that was put in. Yeah, okay. Uh, so here are its listed features. Uh... The Amazon listing describes a range of features, including a clock, a calendar, the ability to store up to ten reminders, and four games. Snake 2, Paris 2, Space Impact, and Bantumi. And apparently those oh are the great God. features of this phone. This is beautiful. Oh man, this old fucking phone. And the thing is, I would... Like, if I had like kids or something, and I wanted to get them a phone, and I wanted it to not die on them, that would be a perfect choice. Because right now your options are, like, crazy, goofy Android stuff or the impossibly expensive iPhone. So I, I think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of what this thing, is, the, the article is saying, is that uh, it's kind of coming back as a, uh, <laughs> it's kind of coming back as, like, hey, here's a really, like, good, solid, backup, reliable phone. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is just a check, because I didn't check when I read this, and this is made, so even if this is true... You know, I'm still happy. The Independent is an actual website. This isn't like a The Onion issue, is it? Like the no, no, The, the like, Independent is, it, it's solid, it's solid. Oh, good. I'm still happy then, because it's like, even if this were like a joke, I'd still be happy that for a moment I was like, yes, the Nokia's coming back. Nothing's stopping us yet. Oh, gracious. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the phone. I'm excited to play Snake again. Snake was really fun on a phone. I remember being in middle school and thinking, like, all the cool kids had Snake on their phone, and I didn't. Oh, dude, I was terrible at Snake. I, I, I don't know what was up, but I just never got my head around that game. Uh, I had a friend that could just, like, play that forever. I was like, damn, why can't I be cool and play Snake? Um, I guess, I'm a, I guess right. I'll be a loser forever. Oh. You say something there, Zach? Um, well, just a small note is that I was looking up on the Independent and I found a wonderful news story, um, or I guess more of a review. Kingdom Hearts 2.8 review. Uh, a sliver of what you've been waiting for. I... <laughs> I've heard, I've heard it's apparently, like, the sliver of three that you get is apparently very good. So it's like, here's this dainty slice of really, really good cheesecake. Like, oh, that was delicious. Can I have more? Uh, no, actually, no, fuck off. I... Yeah, it's like, like, they're just like, here, here, have this tiny vertical slice of a good game. <laughs> Enjoy. Th- that Please. is... And then wait another three years. For me, I see it as, we have a demo 
and we're gonna put some fluff on it and charge you full price. And I feel, I feel I, like I don't want it, and I'm very angry at the practice. Like I well mm. realize that there is a full game in there as well. Like it comes with a complete remaster and redo of one of, of the 3DS game, uh, all of the cutscenes and everything for one of the movies, as well as this little demo thing. Actually, uh, Adam. I, I admit, actually, I think Adam. It's still a bit much, but like. <laughs> They are at least trying not to rip... It's no Ground Zeroes, I'll tell you that. Well, at least Ground yeah. Zeroes was a reduced price, right? Like, this, I believe, is like a full full game. It's like 60 bucks or something, isn't it? I don't know. That's yeah. arguing, like, price and value. Yeah, it is, it is true, it's true. Um, but yeah, I do like that of, like, here's this good thing, and that is all you'll get for three years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, oh. I'll, I'll wait. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little disappointing. But let's move on to the main news story. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's go over that. So one one story that we I brought up since you know we are fledgling entering into the kind of games media thing is one of the big games media people, uh, Felix. Oh Jesus Christ! How do you say this name? Good fucking luck. Just, just, just say, call him give PewDiePie. His YouTube name. Felix Kelberg, aka PewDiePie. <laughs> so recently. Uh, he was dropped by uh, Disney and Maker Studios. So Maker Studio is owned by Disney. And they dropped him over a video he made that had uh, anti-Semitic sentiments in it. And then that happened uh, Monday. And then today, YouTube has dropped his show from YouTube Red, their paid subscription, mm -hmm. as well as removed him from Google Preferred, which is a... Uh, you know, Google's advertising thing will say, here are the preferred people to use because they'll, they'll get good returns on your ads. So he's been dropped from all three of those things. Uh, and that's pretty big for somebody, you know, who was, like, I think the most subscribed or, like, kind of their big thing on YouTube Red uh, to get dropped like this. Um, it is, The video but... in question... Mm was oh sorry drew you're gonna say something i was just gonna say but like you know the reason the reason can kind of explain why at least at least in my opinion um but you yeah know. so the reason was is that a video he made a while back um the article never actually said when the video was put up but he apparently the video's premise was oh you know i'm gonna use this website called fiverr and we're gonna see kind of all the ridiculous things people do to you know for money and in the video, he has these two guys out in the middle of the field holding up a sign that says, Death to All Jews. And, mm. and as I was telling the guys here, it's made even a bit more kind of sketchy when the, when you look at the two guys don't particularly look like they're from the, like, the greatest background, like, uh, you know, well-being. Uh, so it kind of looks like he paid some, some you know, relatively homeless people guys off to do stuff. Or kind of took advantage or stuff, however you want to say it, but... I think take advantage yeah, is no. fine. I think that that's a fair way of describing what he did. Yeah, so, uh, not, not the smartest idea there, Felix. I gotta be real honest with you. Yeah, I, I think, um, so, a lot of this is saying that, like, it's, it's specifically about anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. Um, like... PewDiePie dropped by Disney over YouTube stars anti-Semitic videos. Um, and I, I would have to read the articles first, but I have a feeling that they're going to start calling him anti-Semitic, to which I don't think 
he necessarily is anti-Semitic. I think what he did, like, could induce it. I could see, I could see where it comes from. But I don't think, I don't think, I really don't think PewDiePie is I, anti-Semitic. Yeah, I, I don't. I will say, he I just, don't think he just did something stupid, offensive, and he paid poor people to do it. And it, in that, it, I'm a little bit more bothered by is that he was exploiting people to mm-hmm. get like a raunchy joke off. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, I and don't. The raunchy joke wasn't even terribly funny. It was just balls in your face like oh thanks i, I don't really need that but okay mm-hmm. go ahead Drew. i was gonna say like whether he's anti-semitic or not like that's not i don't think that's the point of the story right like i i personally don't think he is but i think the fact that he went out and did something that was as i think as you said zach just like kind of like really shitty and has like has like some crappy con like some crappy connotations and consequences to it mm-hmm. like like, for me, it's, like, the action that you do is what defines how bad something yeah. is, and that's a really disgusting thing to do. Um, and I don't know so if he's, that... like, made a public apology or what his stance is, but it kind of sounds like, you know, usual gross internet culture kind of sneaking up and getting faced with yeah. the consequences of real people saying, oh, no, this is really messed up and we don't like it. Um, I guess... Yeah, it's kind of... Sorry, just to jump in, he, he did make an apology blog post kind of thing where he was like, you know, I was making this joke, I certainly don't agree with anti-Semitic things, to kind of go off what you and Zach were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to jump in there to, and then let you finish your thought is that, uh, again, I also don't think he's he himself is anti-Semitic, but boy, is that joke in really poor, poor taste yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. So, My takeaway is, you know, it's going to suck for him, but... I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for it, so, you know, that's that's kind of my stance. Yeah, what I, what I kind of find interesting about this one is it's weird to me that um, PewDiePie has kind of made a name for himself of being kind of the raunchy, you know, kind of dark humor kind of person who's like, ooh, look how, look how weird and wacky he is. Uh, you know, his early days, he was kind of, he was a bit more offensive about stuff, but he, he has chilled out from the things I, from articles I read about him. Because mm. he is an interesting person to read about, that he kind of used this YouTube platform to become this huge internet sensation. I just find it kind of weird that out of all the things he said or done, this is the one that got him in the most trouble. And I'm wondering like, what it was, like, what it is particularly about this one. Maybe it is like the, you know, you seem to have taken advantage of poor people. You know, that's a pretty straightforward anti-Semitic st- sentiment from the joke not necessarily that he is and i'm wondering if it's like hey so we have this whole like country at the moment that's kind of really angry about everybody and people are like we don't need we don't want this pr right now so yeah we're done with that i think the time period might be a part of it like you know right now those kind of issues are popping up a lot more so maybe maybe you know people aren't letting it fly under the radar as much as they used to is a thought yeah, and so, and, and again, whether, you know, sucks PBU, bro, you lost your sponsorship, but, like, the guy is pretty wealthy off of this, so he's going to be fine. Yeah. I spent I spent many nights wondering how Felix <laughs> Kellogg's Booberry will will live with his millions of dollars, I think. I want I Felix Kellogg Booberry to be a D&D character. That's a beautiful name. Oh. Fuck, excuse me, I'm gonna write that down. Kellogg's. 
Kellogg's blueberry. <laughs> no, 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 not Kellogg's blueberry. Kellogg blueberry. That is now that is next character I make for anything. Well, is now you know, that. there's a cereal mascot named Kellogg's blueberry who sells blueberry flavored uh, cereal. Yeah, and you know what? I don't give a fuck. Whoa! Damn. Cockroach Anyways, cannot stop Zach. <laughs> Anyways, oh do, you want, do we want to move on to the uh, the main topic? I I think that's a great idea, Zach. You're um, right. Let's move on to the main feature: cereal. No, Adam. <laughs> the main feature. No, no, I ain't going back to fucking cereal. You ain't got nothing on me, fucking oh, Kellogg. Goddamn. I'm putting it down blueberry. as a topic. One day, I'm gonna make you talk about in-depth, detailed cereal analysis. <laughs> Gentlemen. Gentlemen, if I may, now is not a time for division. Now is a time to talk about how we all relate to one another. So today's feature is all about relationships in games. And not just, you know, the Mass Effect-y kind of like, you know, love interest situation or... Um, I forget the genre, but dating sim, that's what it is. But, like, just beyond that, like, you know, how friendship is portrayed in games, all of Final Fantasy XV... Oh, what's up? Small interjection. Yeah. This, this may not be entirely about stuff like that and the dating system, but I am a goddamn master of this. I have been training for this my entire life. Oh man, I'm. S- he's ready. I boys, he's ready. He couldn't be more ready. I am ready to let you have as long as you need to talk about dating sim, Zach. But, oh god. But I'm, I'm just letting you know that it's mo- open to more than that. There's rivalries. There's family. There's friendship, as I said earlier, and there is in fact love if we dig deep enough. Whoa, whoa, Drew, are you telling me that I need to understand, understand, <laughs> understand, 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 understand the, the concept. concept of love? Yes, Adam, you must. <laughs> understand, understand. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm so happy. I'm do, so happy for that can one, we do, Adam. Can we do an episode entirely about Jesse Radio and Jesse Radio? Can we rename this podcast now? That's what I call the concept of love. Oh, yes. God, yes. Yes. Please. That's what's happening. Um, oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, okay. my bones. But in... So that's happening. I'm making it happen. I'm going I'm to change it well, up let's tonight. Get down to business. Yes, down to business. Uh, I just wanted to start off by having you guys maybe talk about how you feel games do when it comes to portraying the way humans interact. You know, like, do you think oh, we're in God. a good space? Do you think we have a lot of goofy stuff happening? I have strong opinions, but I'm going to let you guys go first. <laughs> Uh, sure. Well, I'll, I'll I'll tell you what I what I feel right now. Um, I feel like it's um when I was younger, I didn't notice it so much. For me, I was more like stories, and then the gameplay happens. Um, and as I get older, you know, there's more games that actually like do things like, or even where I'll notice how like I'm supposed to be set up to feel towards a character. Like as I was prepping for this, I I realized that the way Pokemon does rivalries is actually kind of kind of impressive you know you yeah it's pokemon's rivalries have always been really strong of like setting up the you know whether they're antagonist or recently they've been a bit more you know mm-hmm. uh friendly yeah friendly well, like, toward towards the main character like but yeah, everyone they, those certainly gotten better everyone hates gary right gary or blue or whatever crazy name you give him you know, you get, you, you get to name him, he comes in, he chooses he chooses someone with a definitive advantage over you, and that plays out throughout the rest of the entire game. And I never actually thought about how that was a really good idea, and that made me care. 
Like, I, I tend to like to think that, like, oh, man, games do such stupid stuff with relationships. Like, we, we've got a lot of weird things to figure out. But then when I think about, like, actual times where it's been important, like, it, it kind of gets me, you know? Like, people are probably thinking a little deeper than I thought they were. So that's, that's kind of my take on it. Like, I, I find myself pleasantly surprised um, every so often. Uh, I'll have to agree, yeah. So, you know, when I was younger uh, and playing games, you know, relationships and kind of how, uh, you know, whether they be lo uh, love interests or friendships or stuff like that, it was maybe just something I really wasn't paying attention to uh, much. Like, again, the, one of the very first games I really played was Ocarina of Time. And when I was playing that, I think I was just so, like, enveloped in, like, the sense of adventure and going out and doing stuff that I never really actually sat back and, like, looked at the characters you're interacting with uh and it was, yeah again it really wasn't until i was a bit older and like went back and played some of these older games or were playing new ones where i was really concerned like oh you know the way this character talks to me i'm sure is to invoke this kind of feeling and i'm sure that's just the maturity thing of you know as you grow older you know you kind of learn more about different storytelling conventions and stuff like that so you're just more aware of it mm -hmm. but i also feel like games more recently I want to I want to say there must have been some point in the games industry, uh, but I, I I would have no idea really where that is. Where relationships, especially like love interests and friendships, really became a big selling point for games. And I do feel like, you know, it they went from kind of a backseat thing of oh here's this character you might like to, wow relationships are a big thing. They are a really big thing. And they, you know in the case of like some games like Persona your relationship with the characters was not just a big thing front and center, but also a gameplay mechanic. And yeah. I feel like that has become a more, uh, a more modern thing. Uh, so again, so it might be older, but that's kind of what I, I want to take over, but, mm -hmm. um, sorry, Adam, did you have anything? Oh, no, 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 that, that's kind okay. of what I was saying. Is like, so, I agree with Drew. Of, I'm sure they were there. I just didn't notice until I was older, but I do feel like, Games are doing a, a pretty good job of like exploring a bunch of different relationships, but it does seem to be a more commonplace thing to see like a game want to do these relationships. So, so I think I think games are. I think one of the weakest links in games right now is how they handle relationships, especially when they involve mechanics with those relationships. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so Bioware is usually very, very explicit about how people feel about you in a particular situation, and. They first of all they get rid of all the mystery in your relationship with another human being. Second of all, they 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 do what every game does because doing so might not engender the player to play as much. But they don't have the other people on the opposite side of the relationship to your character act with much any agency. Mm -hmm. They have some like say Mass Effect. You have to do these certain things, but they're always seen as sort of like <coughs> obstacles to overcome. And you can always rate your progress with certain characters. Um, there's a metric. Or handle it. I think Mass Effect 2 had the like loyalty thing going on, and that mm -hmm. that was better for it. Um, I, I'm thinking a little bit more in the Dragon Age series where they make it a very explicit thing. How um, how did Dragon Age do that? Because of the of the Bioware games, I've really only played Mass Effect, and I thought one was kind of weak, two was pretty good. Uh, but I I, mm -hmm. I have heard that before that Bioware is apparently not great with relationships, especially in Dragon Age. So what oh, exactly not. did they not do? So so. The problem with how it works, and this is this is the issue overall, even with Mass Effect, this is the issue, 
is in order to improve your relationship with the person, you walk up to their little zone, you talk to them, you engage in the relationship building stuff, and then you walk away. It's structured extremely similarly to say like Persona. Hmm. Um, and I, I think Persona does a kind of bad job of it too. Um, because at, at least with Persona, you're just sort of like a passive observer in someone going through a situation or a thing. Like it's really more about them and you're just sort of there along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Like even when you do have relationships, it's sort of just side side material kind of. Yeah. Now do you uh, think in Persona's case, is that because, uh, I don't know, Persona doesn't really seem to give you that many options to respond back kind of thing. They don't. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's a lot more about just this is this person's journey. You're just here on the sidelines kind of helping them out. That's a really interesting call-out. I I really like Um, that. The the issue with Bioware games is that they're always trying to establish the relationship as being one of equals and and about a connection between two people and that they're, like, close to each other. But the NPCs have no fucking agency. Very, Mm -hmm. very, very rarely do you have um, an NPC character talk to you. I, I have almost never seen a game where an NPC came up to your character and was like, oh, I really like you a bunch. Hey, man, my bro Yosuke would come by and, and, and invite so, me out to go get ramen all the time. So And so what I mean is... Oh, God, I don't want to think about that. Um, and so I, I think there are certain games that do it. I just think there's a lot of games, especially when, especially when you want to mechanically include a relationship, the NPC has no agency, and so you become the master of the relationship. Mm. Um, and I think it creates it's kind of structurally within the game itself a sort of power dynamic in which mm. you have complete control over how the relationship develops because you're the player so you have the most agency and the people you're having a relationship with, whether it be friendship or whatever um, they don't have any power because they're computer AIs and they don't they don't have any ways of like putting something onto the player and which 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 I think would make for a very, very interesting way of handling relationships in a game is if the NPCs that you're interacting with came to you and said this and that. And it wasn't like a scripted event. Sometimes they just come up and they're like, hey, check out this thing. Or, hey, let's go do this thing. And you're like, cool, let's do it. Um, and I think, again, such as something that games... that's It's an element that games lack a lot when it comes to this subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... It's it's an area that they could they can improve on if they could find a way to make it to work better. I, I understand that there's probably a lot of issues with yeah yeah, and I, and I think I, if, if I may play devil's advocate, I think that that idea of like a power fantasy isn't isn't just stuck on like the relationship element. I think that's something that games in general kind of struggle with. Like, there's a lot of like I am this super powered character and I get to live out this like sort of dream of doing this that and the other thing. So yeah. like I think maybe that's that's a tin, that's maybe a separate can of worms. But I do absolutely yeah. see what you're saying about like, you know, if if I play through this game more often than not, it is kind of treated as like almost like something that would be unlocked with an achievement, which is probably not the best way you want to portray romance with someone. Which, by the way, even by the way, I, I, let me play devil's advocate kid to that one little thing you said it'd still be a fucking achievement to get a relationship with the character come on you know that (laughs) (laughs) you're you're the devil to my devil so i guess i just (laughs) i'm just i'm just saying i'm just saying (laughs) there's a good point of like 
the NPCs don't have a lot of agency, but I think that's also because like when you try to have relation, like any kind of relationship, whether it be the like you know not just romance again. So when I say relationship, I mean any kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you try to make a mechanic off it. There is a thing. There's kind of a point of you know a lot of mechanics. I think players are expecting them. If I do X, I will get Y. They kind of expect that to happen. So you know you're absolutely right. Like I can't really. There's maybe like one example of a game that I can think of where the characters came up to me and said, do you want to go do this thing? Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, actually FF15. Like, and I'll, I'll talk about that later, you know, because okay. we have a thing about, like, what are some really good examples? Uh, but I think the thing is, if, like, when I think of, like, Bioware or Dragon Age, if, if, like, the character came up and, like, kept kind of doing stuff, I think you might, just from, and there was, like, some mechanic tied to it, I think the player might feel that it's like a little like it's RNG kind of thing of like, well, I did this, but then just nothing happened. Now, mm-hmm. granted, that's a complaint on a mechanical side. On a storytelling side, that'd be really interesting of like, you do all these things to get the affection or the companionship of some character, but then like their character is just like, no, but I don't, you know, I kind of don't yeah. want that. Or I just want to leave it as that. And that'd be kind of interesting. I would love but, to see that. I would love to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing is is that uh, NPCs will never reject your advances as long as you do it right. Well, uh, you, did you see my charisma score, motherfucker? That yeah, thing's like, astounding. There, I there's some game for that. Like, there's usually like there's always a sequence to which you can achieve a relationship, or they just block it off. Um, but, but you see my point of like if you're if it's tied to a mechanic and you know that like, part like the what game. I'm saying is, is if it's tied hold to on, a mechanic. Let me then, so, oh. hold on. so. If it's tied to a mechanic, then you as the player lose your agency over that. And I think more people are, you know, there is something for giving agency to the NPCs, but they are the AI and not necessarily the person playing it. So when you take away agency from the player being able to do stuff, uh, you know, then I feel like people uh, wouldn't come up that as, as strongly. But Again, I think that's, that's true. Thing. That's true. That's, that's a good it, point. So that's... That's what that's what I was saying is that like you're effectively taking agency away from the player, but what I'm also saying is that if you want to accurately portray a relationship, you have to take agency away from the player. There's no way you can establish a healthy relationship unless there is a give and take between the player and the person they're having a relationship with. And uh, this, in people's minds, I'm guessing, is going straight to romantic relationships, but I mean that in friendships as well. Like there's a give and take between the three of us in terms of our friendship, mm-hmm. um, and and we all have input on it. Um, and so, again, if you want to portray a relationship in a game, you have to be able to portray both sides as having, like, that give and take. It's as having that sort of um, an agency to both ends, or else you're just predicting a relationship in which one person has all the power and the authority. Yeah. Which, in, in Dragon Age Inquisition, you sort of do? because Like, in well, all the Dragon Age games, technically you do. And in the Mass Effect games, you do have the, like, actual authority and power, but... Um, you just look like, you know, like every one of the relationships in that game just is like, I spammed the romance button until I. I, I am gonna uh, I am gonna speak up for Mass Effect and say that in the third game, and maybe this is spoilers, maybe it isn't. Um, deal with it. Um, but there is a character who you can pursue who will actively turn you away because she is um, she is uh, she's a lesbian, and if you play as a male character, you cannot. Portray, you cannot pursue that at all. She just kind of says, oh, no, 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 thanks. So, so to clarify, um, I, I tried to include that with, um, basically, 
they, they'll lock it off to certain genders or certain things. And, and I think that's that's a market improvement. And Dragon Age Inquisition did that a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, at and, first and, I and if I may, to, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. I just, I feel a need to at least point out cases where I feel like there are decent efforts being made. Um, yeah. Um, and, and by the way, the, the worst case example for, for, for what I'm talking about is like those old school, like Newgrounds dating sim games. Well, th- those aren't like, holy that's, shit, they're not trying. No agency. Yeah. Those aren't human beings. Yeah, like, like that's, that's, that's like a different, well, okay. All games, all of our games, but that's a different caliber. Like those seemed a little bit more like what Drew was talking about of like the power fantasy of, I have taken these characters and I just want to kind of live out this one experience kind of thing. But sorry, Drew, yeah. you were going to say something. Oh no, no, no! I was, I was pretty oh, much done. I just wanted to right. speak up for Mass Effect because I felt like that was something that yeah. was kind of interesting that it happened that way. <laughs> oh. I was going to say, um, <clears throat> I think the thing is, is that the, you know, when you have these events, the, when I think about it, uh, a lot of these mechanics where it's like, you know, your event, you have like these events uh, to raise a relationship. I think I liked it a bit more in Persona because it felt like there are these more kind of granular events and more smaller things you do. So it did feel like all of these smaller, again, this is the kind of thing where the game is trying to tell you a story and a game. And again, it's, uh, and it's persona. You're kind of more kind of taken along for the ride there, but you're also helping these characters kind of make these decisions that go on these branching paths. Uh, now sometimes if you make the good decision, you'll get a little bit more of their, your, their relationship or kind of worse maybe it goes off onto a, a kind of dead end but there's a lot of really granular small kind of moments that happen when i think mm. about bioware and mass effect and i'm sure but both of you guys can think of uh, some more examples um to kind of change the relationship are all built into these like singular but kind of bigger events mm. where yeah uh, when i think of a dating sim uh me and a couple of my friends, and Zach, I think you were there. We played the I game was. called uh, Katawa Shoujo, which is this dating sim. And it surprised so, me and a lot of other people how few decisions you actually made in that to kind of like change the story. But maybe that's not so much got, about the I think we got the bad so end just because, I, I, if I remember that correctly, we were playing it and we got the bad end. And it was oh, mostly because this we is were just the, the 4chan around. one, right? The, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, so, someone, someone, please explain that for the listeners because it is so, so goofy. Kind um, of shojo was about uh, you. What was it? You were playing as this guy who is who is at a a school or hospital for people with uh, school severe illnesses or disabilities, and you're kind of just making this relationship. And I, I think didn't it? It started on a forum board or something. It did. It did. Yes, it it was, started on four chan. Um, it started on the anime board on 4chan, and a group of people said, "You know what? Fuck it. We're gonna make we're gonna make a VN about." By the way, that game is so anime. Yeah, it is super anime. Um, and so they they a few of them got together and they made a game, and then they released it for free. See, the thing about that game is, um, of course, there's the same issues of the NPCs don't have any agency, but it's also it's a visual novel. I mostly. I mostly view those in the sense of, like, it's a novel where you get to choose how it goes. Like, I view it as sort of, like, a more set-in-stone thing. You play as the character, obviously. Mm. Um, it just feels like a first-person novel in which you decide what happens next. Mm. 
Uh-huh. And so it always it always felt like more of it's it's way more on the persona end of things where you're like you're just sort of along for the ride. You as the yeah. player are just sort so of So do along. you feel like the Bioware games aren't so much a story where you're picking your path, it is a you are the you embody that character in yeah. And I think it's a lot to do with the avatar. Like in Persona and in Katawa Shoujo, you don't choose who the character is. You're playing as somebody else. Mm. You're very much a different character. Whereas you as a character, you as a, you as a player, identify with the character you're playing as in Bioware, in, in every fucking Bioware game. I mean, I would like I you never are the felt character like I was in a lot of ways. My Shepherd was very much like not. It was like to me like well, Shepherd not, was like its own thing. Like it wasn't like so I am me, this character. I was playing. So what I mean is like not not okay. And I understand you playing like a specific kind of character, but I guess more of what I'm saying is. The character's more generic, and and so you're going to, um, you're going to connect yourself more with that character because you built that character. Mm-hmm. You have a connection to that character. Fair enough. Um, and so you, as a player, are more invested in what's going on with that person in particular, and you sort of end up embodying that person a little bit more. And so in the Bioware games, the other the other NPCs need a lot more agency because, again, because just to sort of kind of match up with your character's agency. So, then I guess I'll put this question out. Uh, One, uh, what is a game do you think that has, the NPCs have a lot of agency? Holy fuck, I don't know. To kind of like, that you Um, feel does give this kind of more authentic of hey, I did a thing for you, what do you think, kind of thing. There's two, there's two. There's there's only two I can think of, and they're both from college. One is um... One is is <gasps> fuck. What's I forgot the name. One? Both of them with, uh, with trip and something or other. Yes, that one. Oh, oh God. crap! God. Wait, are you talking about the uh, the experimental one with the melon? Um, it was made by <laughs> Professor Mateus. Yes. Do you remember what and... it was called? Mm. Hold on, Phil dead air. I need to look this up. I, I um, so um, for people who so don't understand, um, well, just just I want to give some context. Um, this okay. is a game that. Is free. Um, you may not have heard of it because it's more of an experimental, like studio or not studio, um, student university project. It was made by an AI professor who wanted to actually explore like a more living, breathing story than what you usually see with games. And we still don't know that. I still can't remember the name of it. Um, I know it starts with an F. That's all I remember. Um, no. You know what? We went to this school for for how long, and we can't remember what the goddamn game was called. Um, I, you know what? I could just... Oh, my God. Facade. There we go. Yeah, Facade. Facade was a, a game where you were playing as this nameless friend that happened to wander in on some old college wait, friends. Wait, and you were no, no. You had a name. You picked it. <laughs> Did you pick it? That's right, you did pick it. Did they ever say your name? Yeah, they said your name like right at the beginning. Oh, okay. Well, and I think I think they also like inserted it in a few places as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, and the way this the way this worked, as Drew said, is that you do a whole bunch of things, and it, it just had so many different options, and they would and the characters would actually really I interpret you stuff. Did. Like you would literally type in what your response was. Yeah. I don't it was now, it was a very impressive technical demo without being technical in the sense of showing off graphical fidelity. 
Like, usually when you think tech demo, you think, like, oh, look at these beautiful, like, anti-alias effects. But this was like, wow, the AI is so advanced, and uh, the way I'm interacting is, like, crazy responsive. Um, And through that, we got some interesting characters. Yeah. So, so those two did pretty well. There's also, um, the other take on this is uh, Prom Night. Hmm. Where another UCSC one. Yeah, it's another UCSC one. Um, and it's in the same vein. Um, except for Prom Night, uh, you're manipulating a bunch of high school students into... And, like, you can control them individually. You're, you're trying to manipulate their emotional state so that they would, like, get together or, like, hate each other or something. Mm. Um, and that that one was... It's, it's another good case where relationships are done in an interesting way, despite the fact that you have, a, a, like, authoritarian, almost dictatorial control over... Well, in that one, you were um, almost more of a narrator than you were one of the characters, I feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think, I think it did a good job of making it so that relationships take things. Mm-hmm. So I want to go I want to go back to Facade for a second. So, like Drew said, okay. it, it, it does kind of feel... No, no, because I do like Pronite, but there was something I, I kind of wanted to put yeah. Facade, because... Of the two, Facade's the one I played the more of, but it also from kind of, uh, by the way, for re- listeners, uh, these two games were pretty big in the uh, game design field at, at UCSC. So the indie circuit. At, at some point, you would have studied them at some point just to like, look about and be like... Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, Facade always struck me as kind of the more interesting one because you, had, you could make your own choices. And oh, I'm wondering yeah. if maybe that's what's kind of limiting, like, do you think facade could ever could we ever get to a point where that could be implemented in like big triple A games or is it um, or does it only really work because it is a small single slice experience? Oh my god, wait, wait, I, wait, wait. I think that it would be very Holy hard shit. to sell as a triple A game. Guys, What's guys. That? I finally found a use for the Connect. Okay. And there's there's plenty of uses for the Connect. Wait. No, no, I found the best use say, of Connect. Which how about you tell VR us, Zach? Tell us yeah, your use of the Connect. Um, so, so the Connect has can record voice. It can. So what you do, like I was going to say, like the only way you could do a facade um, in any AAA title would be on the PC. That's the only way you could do it because you got to type in everything you're saying, um, and even that's kind of cumbersome. Wait for it. Put the Connect. You just you just listen to what they're saying. I think voice recognition is going to need to go a little further, but I can see what you're saying. Oh, whatever. You can use the onboard mic too. But I'm just really confused why it got to be the connect. Do I really need? Are you a Microsoft shill? (laughs) Like I'm not buying one, Microsoft. Like for fuck's sake. Yeah, you know, like I was curious of you know, facade is kind of a smaller experience. and as, you know, a lot of indie developers have found that those smaller experiences do often sell really well because they're very tight and contained. And I'm wondering, could Facade ever be like, like, could you ever see a relationship storytelling thing like Facade in, like, a Bioware kind of game? I think um, I think you would you would have to have some sort of indie game come up with it first before the AAA industry thinks it's a good idea. But no, but like... Okay, but I'd ask why does it necessarily need to be the indie scene? Um, it basically. Oh, good point. Um, doesn't seem you like could talk about. I, I mean, we're kind of getting oh. to that point with The Sims. Oh yeah, that's true. I could see it in The Sims. Kind I could see it being integrated into The Sims. 
Because The Sims is kind of like this kind of wacky, do all kinds of weird things and see things respond. And in that situation, something like Facade's like emergent storytelling would be awesome to see. Speaking speaking of The Sims, that's probably um, that's probably my that's probably the game I think is the best example of relationships. If only because oh no, if like I don't mean that on the micro, I mean that on the macro. Um, like oh, okay. it does the best job of simulating relationships over like a broad spectrum and has like fringe circles and things. I'm like holy shit. See, that to me is a simulation, though. Like, I'm, I don't... Fi- yeah. Maybe it's because I haven't played a lot of Sims, but, like, I don't feel like I'm ever going to be invested in the story of a Sim character. You know what I mean? At yeah, least, no, I at least maybe you. not yeah. where I where they're at right now. It would be, like, That's true. a little advancements um, with technology. Like, I, I guess... I've never sat down and thought, man, I really feel for this one character who is now <laughs> taking his car but, out. But um, true. Yeah. Didn't you feel for that man as he bought that nine millionth lawn gnome? Oh. Didn't you feel for him? <laughs> and, I felt for him. And and his life <laughs> wasted away as he bought endless gnomes, knowing so, that there was no way to fill the void in his life but to buy more uh, gnomes. God, <laughs> it could be uh, dark. So what is what is you guys what is your guys' best example? Oh, so I was gonna say, uh, like you know, we were talking about mechanics and like using relationship in mechanics. And so, Zach, you and I and Drew had kind of talked about, like, you know, sometimes building this relationship with characters doesn't really, sometimes seems kind of counter to a mechanic, whether because it's taking away agency from the player or giving that. Mm-hmm. What's a mechanic that you can think of that would facilitate, like, good relationship, but also still be able to be, like, give player agency as a mechanic kind of thing? Mm. Basically, if you had to develop a relationship system in a game as a raw mechanic, how would you go about doing that? I that would take a lot of brainstorming. I I do have some good examples that I'd like to talk to you about how I think it would happen. How, how do you feel about that? That's yeah, fine. So um, the first game that comes to mind for me is I, I mentioned this in an earlier episode, but it was um, Never Alone, and it is this adorable game where you play as a little Eskimo, and this little spirit fox comes and helps you out. And what I find really interesting about that game is it's intended to be played multiplayer, and the crux of the relationship between that character and this kind of befriended spirit that goes around with them, like, you have to beat these levels together. You actually have to work together with another human being. And I feel like, for storytelling purposes, that can actually be very powerful. And I feel like in those kind of cases, like, I know there are other examples they are escaping me right now, but I feel like like, making it so that you have to do some extra layer of interaction that is almost, like, almost, like, making it harder because it's there. But because there's that extra bit of something going on related to a character, I find that it actually helps you care more about the character if done correctly. There's the, there's the opposite of it where it gets terrible, right? Like, escort missions are notoriously not fun. But if you can actually make it work so that you care about, like, this other thing happening around you, I think it's really cool. Um, and so, point for point for Never Alone. Little indie game that you should totally play. Um, and so you, you like the mechanic that you kind of have to work together with the... Yeah, is yeah. Is it an AI or is it a play, another player? It, it can be an AI or it can be a player. Like, it's a very simple game. But, like, there's just these little extra bits and pieces you have to do, and you have to rely on this other character to do it. And I think that's the key word there. Reliance on something else in a way that isn't disempowering. 
And if you can pull that off, I think you can, like, create an example of a Bond that kind of holds a little truer than just doing what Zach was saying about, like, being the main one in charge and living out this fantasy of taking care of this other thing. Yeah, so so um, there's another game that does this, by the way, um, and I'm just trying to think of it now. Uh, recently came out uh, successor to Echo and uh, Last Guardian. Oh, Last Guardian. Mm. Yeah, Last Guardian does this really well in, in terms of uh, having an AI companion that's really that's, that's that does this very very well. What Drew is exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Drew, have you tried Last Guardian? Uh, you, I think you'd really like that one. I I, I want to. I truly do want to, but I haven't gotten to it. I'm no. I'm being foolish about it. I really want to dive in, but I haven't been able to justify. I'm gonna purchase this single player game and sit down and play X amount of hours with it. So that makes yeah. sense. once I do, I'll definitely let you know how I feel about it because I'm very All interested. Right. So um, I, I think mechanically, where I would start is if is if you wanted to to simulate the dynamism of a relationship. I think right now it just tends to be a plus minus meter. Um, I think it would be better is if you is if you created more of a state machine. Um, and so what I mean by that is that they would they would go between different states in terms of their relationship towards them, and then unfortunately you can't you can't have the player have certain relationships with certain NPCs that'd be taking away a lot of player agency, but. I think that could go a long way in terms of uh, uh, in terms of doing that. And I guess you could do a state machine as long as the player always had options at every stage. Um, well, and that, then, yeah. And then I was kind of like to... I was saying of uh, you know in Bioware I can't remember like there's a lot of these smaller events that just happen to have these bigger changes as opposed as opposed to like Persona where it's like there's a lot of little things that kind of make up this thing. Is that kind of what you're saying where you have uh, a lot more granular? choices and options and stuff. yeah i think having a lot more granular choices and options i think is pretty good in terms of like getting you connect more with this person i think honestly that's the heart of a relationship and this is something bioware misses all the time like the heart of the relationship isn't the big fucking call you just made with them it's the thousand little calls you made with them someone will back you up after like a thousand little calls that they're like yeah this guy's a cool guy and then just something that like and then they do something like you know, they'll murder a captive or something, and then they'll be like, ooh, whoa, what the fuck, dude? Whoa. I mean, whoa, okay? Okay. Whoa. <laughs> okay. You, you know what game series I, I, you, I think you would really enjoy, Zach? Um, have you ever played the Walking Dead episodes? Yes. Because, I okay, I think that's a great example of building up maybe not... Maybe not, like, off of, like, the oh, yeah, main the events that happen, but so many little things happen throughout that game uh, that Clementine will remember that end up, that end up like, really shaping the way you feel about one person you're interacting with versus the other. And it's not I'm particularly complex, but, like, I, I definitely have my version of Kenny and how I feel about him versus the way someone else might. Um, yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah. Um, I guess I say for The Walking Dead... Uh, sorry, sorry, uh, Zach. Sorry, uh, but it was like it was kind of. I agree that like there's a lot of smaller things in the Walking Dead one. I guess to me is just a mechanic or kind of a turnoff thing. If uh, again, if it's going to be a mechanic, the player wants to know does this change matter. But it always kind of weirds me out that like the game will just tell you this was a major decision, this affected something, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, oh hey look, you know I, I remember in, in one episode 
you only have one candy bar and who you give it to, you know, determines something. Oh, uh, that was the uh, weirdest actually, and roughest thing to do in that game. <laughs> Wait, but like if choosing the candy bar? Yeah, because uh, like, so like it, it kind of helped. It was something very simple. And it was something that, like, not, like you couldn't say, oh, well, you know, snap decision, life or death. It was like, you have to slowly choose who gets to eat and who doesn't. And everyone who doesn't is just like, why Why didn't you do that? Why? why? You know, like, so, there's like, no good really, way out of that. Like, that was a really good example of, like, these slow decisions. Like, I have all the time in the world. This is an actual choice I make with these characters. Um, I can't remember if this one does it, but I remember there's a lot of points... And, you know, it's kind of become a meme of Clementine will remember this, where in the Telltale games, a little thing pops up and says, this was a major decision. So you'll, you'll, that, that changed the state, as opposed to a, hey, you just did this. There will be consequences later, but you won't know, I guess, kind of, you know, you know, you won't know then, but in the back of your mind, be thinking, I wonder if I had done this differently, you know, would this character have still been friendly towards me or would it, does this didn't even matter kind of thing. Mm -hmm. that, that's just a small little gripe on that, but again, as a mechanic, that might be taking away player agency because you would kind of want to know if you're doing particular runs. I, yeah, I, I think personally feel you, like it works. If you had an entire game that where, where that mechanical system existed, um, I think, like, if the game was about relationships necessarily, to which I guess The Walking Dead kind of is, but it's more about the illusion and going through a particular story... If it was a more, say, I don't want to say procedural, I wanted to say ludological instead of instead of narrative-driven game, I think um, you could have more mechanical impact. But yeah, uh, and and it would be a little bit better to sort of hide a little bit of it, um, and you would just have to again make it so that there's there's solid logical follow-through from actions you do to consequences of those actions. Yeah, I guess um, it would change if, if it's... if you're really stressing the gameplay versus story. Because I guess in The Walking Dead, I guess to me, story-wise, it kind of threw me off because I, I was remembering, oh, this is a story, and these relations I've made in the story, this is just a mechanic. Then again, if I were playing like an RPG and it had something like this, I guess I would want to know, like, maybe not explicitly, but like, this character is feeling a little maybe iffy about you, and that's kind of like what I you're think, saying, like a state machine hmm. with multiple, like a bunch of different states. Yeah, exactly, and, and different states will determine like different actions that you can take, so that way when you immediately start talking to them, you're like, oh, they're angry with me right now. I only have these options. Sorry, Drew, I feel like we cut you off at some point there. Did you, did yeah, you want to throw something in? Oh, um, no, I mean, that was fine. I You asked the question, uh, do you have any examples oh. you'd like to bring up? Uh, i trying to think. As a mechanic, um, trying to think as a mechanic of something I would do. Um, I had a, I had a mechanic for uh, an idea for a game that kind of kind of got done in prom night, but also kind of got done in this, in a, a little bit in a game called this war of mine, which was, you know, if you're playing as this group of characters and you're trying to manage all the different relationships they all have between each other while also trying to kind of do objective stuff. Oh, that sounds good. Uh, and there was, uh, you know, so I guess when I say this, it's like, oh man, I'm giving them my grand idea, but I really don't care. In uh, in our senior year of game design, we did a, a game pitch, and I pitched a game called The City, and The City's kind of, uh, and it was all about, like, you know, this oh, great yeah, catastrophe you... has happened to this city. Oh, I remember, I remember. I remember yeah, that, yeah. 
its initial concept was just a roguelike, but actually after working with a couple people, we had an idea that I really liked, uh, which was, you know, you you start as a small group of survivors locked in like a gymnasium, and you have to pick which ones go out for the evening to look for stuff, and you might find more survivors or more supplies. And when you come back, you could either say, hey, here's all the stuff I found, or you could start kind of hoarding it for yourself and then do stuff. So, like, you know, as you're leaving the gymnasium, the old-timer says, hey, I'm really thirsty. If you find any water, let me get first dibs. And you get the water, and you can say, well, I could keep this for myself so I'll stay hydrated. I could give it to the group so everyone's hydrated, like, a little bit. Or I could give it to this person who then they're hydrated and they like me. Uh, The game idea kind of fell apart when I realized, like, wait a minute. If you're playing as all of the characters, why would you conspire against yourself? Yeah. So maybe it was one of those things that might work. Again, uh, you know, either if maybe multiple people were playing each of the different characters. And well, but I, I can definitely chapter see chapter. the merit in, like, it, it almost comes back to that candy bar decision, right? Of, like, you know, making a difficult choice between, you know, who's better off and who isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, go ahead. Although that sounds, from what I know of this war of mine, it sounds very similar. <laughs> it, it was very similar to war, this war of mine in terms of just like, because in this war of mine, uh, you're playing as a group of people who are hold, who are in this house, in this war-torn area, yeah. and you try to survive and do stuff, and then you send somebody out for the evening to do stuff, to like go scavenge. But in that one, you're all playing, uh, you know, cooperatively because you're playing as all the characters, so you want, so... Yeah working together is in your best interest. And that's kind of where, like, when I really thought about it, it's like, I'm asking the player to betray certain characters, so I would either need to think of, why would you want to kill off character X, Y, or Z? You know, maybe some event happens to them if they are at this state, and, you know, that changes other characters. Yeah, yeah. Or, again, have it be a multiple-layer thing of, you know, each char- each person takes a thing, and so you can kind of plot and conspire. But... That's a that's a whole discussion for another thing. Hmm. Oh yeah, indeed. Um, well, but as a, as a game that's a good example, mm-hmm. uh, FF15 is doing a pretty good example you know, of, of just being. I, I really think the crowning achievement of that game is how much I've actually come to like all of the the main four characters in that game. Like hmm. Zach, could they do something that you kind of talked about where uh, if you're just running around. They'll have these small little quips back and forth with each other. The game doesn't really have a relationship component to it because you already start off the game as four friends kind of thing. But it does, from a story point, really does enforce the kind of, you are all compatriots and, and friends and stuff like that, uh, as opposed to just like little like barks and yelps. Uh, I've heard a lot happen. of really good things about that particular element of that game. Uh, and like, it like just... Just, like, the smaller part of it, right? Like, I don't think there's any, like, giant, like, you know, ways of building up your friendship with these guys. It's just a part of the story, and they just really work hard to enforce it with tiny little things that each character does. It, I mean, like, I've not played it. You have. It, there, there was a really good moment where we went camping in one of the areas, and the next morning when I woke up, uh, when, when, when I woke up, <laughs> when we woke up, you know, uh, Prompto went over to Noctis and said, hey... I want to go do. A, I want to go do this, you know, uh, uh, picture taking thing. I want to go take some some pictures, and you can totally choose that. No, no, I don't want to do this right now. I have other things to do. Uh, or you can go on it with them, and there's oh, no that's really, exactly what I wanted. 
it, it's kind of like you can do this thing and you go on this quest and it's just kind of when I really thought about it, I think it's maybe like a pre-baked thing, but it was just really kind of cool that like this character seemed to have agency of like, hey, we are in the area. Do you want to go do this thing? And we went and did this thing. And my only reward was, here's a filter for pictures and right. experience points. And it wasn't some big Bioware-esque thing of, you and Prompto are now the closest of friends. He will die for you. <laughs> or And it wasn't Persona like... Hey, you feel your strength bond. It was just like we're already friends. This just feels like a really nice thing. Um, and hey, my buddy took pictures of... together. Yo, I went and we took pictures with a giant bull thing, and I JoJo posed everywhere. That's <laughs> really cool. That's really cool. That's fantastic. Um, and it's actually something I just realized. It's one of the few games I can think of where it has relationships as a core component uh, of the story, not necessarily of the mechanic. But you are already in the relationship with these mm-hmm. par- with these characters instead of building it. Mm. It's 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 kind of the highlight of their life, not like the entire thing happening. Like, uh, did he play Catherine? No, I, I think Zach did. I didn't. I, I didn't. I know about it a lot though. Catherine is a Atlas made game, and it, I, now that I think about it, it's also you are in the. Kind of the uh, the tail end of the dating phase of the relationship, and you're and you're considering getting married, but your character is kind of like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to, and you can either go off and have this fling with with the new hotness, or settle down and hang out with your old girlfriend. It's like right, it's about that decision of like settling down and like kind of like marking that chapter of your life versus you know going on and living and having fun. Whereas most games, I feel like, are at the beginning where it's like. You see the start of the relationship, but you don't really see the fallout or that kind of weird... You see the, oh, we're in love phase, but you never see the, hey, yo, I'm really not feeling it. Do you want to just eat ice cream on the couch together? You don't see the maintenance that of the relationship. <laughs> I, again, I would love... Again, this is why I would love the state machine approach. If only because you could totally simulate that, because then sometimes people are in different moods and such. Anyways... Um, yeah, so those do, are my examples. Do you well, have the awesome. best example? Did you talk about yours already? I, I, I have one more best example. Um, we're running a little uh, long in the teeth in time. So after I have a quick example, and then I'm going to go to a lightning round of questions, if that's cool with you two. Okay. Oh, jeez. Oh, gosh. I, I'm never good at lightning rounds. Okay, I just... I want to I wanna say that... And this, this covers, again, for whatever reason, I go back to rivalry. And this isn't a particularly, like, well-thought-out mechanic, but in the game uh, Devil May Cry 3, you have a brother called Virgil. And one thing, looking back on that game, that I think is, like, crazy important to me actually enjoying that is the way they build up the fact that your brother is your rival and the fact that he's a member of your family. The way that happens is, like, you know, you're, you're already brothers, you've already got some baggage, the game starts, your bro pretty much throws down and says, I got this challenge for you, come and get me. And you meet him for the first time, you have a fight, um, whatever happens, you actually lose to him, you lose to your brother, and then you have this, like, kind of bloody confrontation. And then you have a few more, and then the final fight of the entire game is against your brother in this kind of, like, to-the-death, be-all-end-all situation. And... It's it's more about placement than it is, like, any particular mechanic. Like, the game is not, like, a relationship-themed game. 
But the way that game plays out, I have I beat that thing years ago. I still have this like like crazy memory of like hating this guy, wanting him to survive, getting to this weird point where I don't know what is going to happen with him. And I don't like it really was just like the placement of this character in that story, but it it was executed so perfectly that it took something that was pretty much just like a stupid action movie and made it something really memorable for me. Yeah, you know what? That's a really good one. Uh, I just want to jump in. On a mechanics level, it also enforces that kind of relationship thing because you have three major fights with Virgil, and on that very first fight, uh, you know, Virgil comes off as like he, he's just kind of cool on the whole thing, doesn't really care. He doesn't mm-hmm. even see it as a challenge. Mm-hmm. So when you fight him, you might get the impression that he's really weak because he's just walking around. He makes, he makes very quick motions, but he doesn't do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And because you're still new to the game, you struggle with him. Then you meet him again in the second one, in the second fight, and you've gotten better. But now, uh, you know, in the story, he's like super pissed at you, and he's like, "All right, you need to get out of here." And so he's crazy aggressive, and he's got moves you could never do, kind of thing. And, and, and at that point, level, oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, it's just like, on a, and again, on a mechanics level, it's like, what the hell? I want to do those things. Why can't I? I hate this guy. He's <laughs> kicking my ass. And then on the third one, you and him have. Like, the exact same power set. You are now perfectly equal with each other. And, you know, his attitude towards you is like, fine, let's settle this. Like, like exactly like Drew said. Uh, that's one of the rare examples. Like, damn, each boss fight is, again, perfectly encapsulating how I feel about the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as we grow. Man, Devil May Cry 3 is so good. It really is. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, and, like, what's, when I think about it, it's, like, the first fight, you lose to him. The second one, like, like it's a tie, right? Like, no one really decides who wins. And then the final one, like, you gotta beat him. It's the end of the game. There's only one way this is gonna go. And it, it's a little heart-crushing, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Zach. I know you haven't played three. Um, y'all, y'all gushing hard. <laughs> well, I love Bro. it. And the thing is, it's, like, it's something that I don't think about, because that game is often associated with, like you know, really good, you know, fighting mechanics and really good, like, systems for beating up enemies. But, like, the crux of the story is all about this relationship between two brothers, and, like, I've not seen that work as well anywhere else. So, Alright, well, um, that's solid, good work, <laughs> excellent, perfect, everything is Devil May Cry now. Okay, You're moving right, on. Exactly. Um, that is- smoking sick style right there in DMC3's part. I'm gonna stop gushing over it. Um, lightning round, folks. Just because this next question I feel like is kind of iffy. Um, just, let's go over some bad examples of relationships in games. I don't want to, like, sit here and just vent about how terrible things are, but if you got if you got one that's particularly vexing to you, um, now's the time to talk about it. I have one that's particularly funny. Do it, Zach. Go for it. Civilization, overall. Really? Terrible. No, they're so bad at relationships between nations. It's so bad. Um, the AI is making decisions that don't make any fucking sense. It is like, purely mechanical. Mechanically, you can figure out how they make sense, but in-game, in terms of, like, why would you do that? They, they do stupid shit. Tiny little weak nations will start idiotic wars against you for no fucking reason. It's... It, it is a dumb... They've always been dumb. They will always continue to be dumb because, I don't know, they they can't figure out how the AI is supposed to work well. <laughs> right on. Adam? Anyways. 
I might have to pass. I can't really, uh, I can't really think of any particularly bad examples of uh, relationships because I usually, you know, if they're kind of annoying or whatnot, I, I kind of ignore them. Uh, I, I only thing I can think of is uh, thirteen FF thirteen tried to oh, have like all these like myriad relationships with all of their characters, and uh, you know they did this thing where they kept splitting your party up to go do to like. Okay, Lightning and Hope have their little story. Then Saz and Vanille, who actually, now that I think about that, I really liked when it was just Saz and Vanille because it was it a was great. It was a father daughter esque kind of thing, but they're, you know, Saz's son is gone. Vanille doesn't really have a family, and it's this really. I guess I'm back to good examples. It was this really sweet moment of those two. And then let's everything get back else to was the like, terrible example, then, which was oh, but Zach, which was Lightning then, and Hope. Everything oh, else God, was, was like, so oh, wow, this bad. Is terrible. Lightning and Hope, uh, there it goes, Zach. Lightning and Hope really annoyed me. It was like, God. So it was the two whiniest... Was it just God, two whiny people going back and forth? Stuck together, whining at each other. Mm. It was so lightning frustrating. Ball, I have to avenge my sister. And Hope's like, I have to get strong for my mom. Let's help each other. He's like, guys, you are, both of you are just whining. Light, lightning is trying to... Uh, I, I attribute it to poor writing is come, is trying to come off as too cool and edgy while hope is too whiny and weak about everything. Mm. And then did <laughs> Fang and Snow even do anything in that no, game? No, they didn't. They didn't. No, you no, they didn't. A segment just but, uh, yeah. So a good example of a game with a really good relationship, really bad, but, uh, oh, that was more on storytelling. I'm trying to think of a relationship where you actually have like control over it. Uh, I guess Mass Effect because I walked into a relationship <laughs> I wasn't aware I was in, which is always the best kind of relationship. I think that's more of an issue of communication, but yeah. Hmm. You know, I, I like this idea that Shepard's like, wait, we're you're my girlfriend? And he's like, Shepard, we've been married for years. Like, since oh. when? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's, that's that. Drew, what's your worst example? Uh, my worst example is... Um... It's a weird one, but I played through Halo 4, and that entire game tries oh really God. hard to make you care about every oh, okay. everyone in that game. And the reason, oh, and like God. for me, because it tries so hard to make me care about literally everyone, I don't care about anyone. There, there was this one scene where this like scientist shows up, and she like gives this like Oscar-style speech about like packing up her stuff and going. But I had no idea who she was, and then she was incinerated a few seconds later. And that happens in every altercation ah. in that game. <laughs> so... <laughs> wait, 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 someone gives you a, if, this big old speech about how I'm like, I'm done with this shit, I'm gone, see you later. And you're oh, like, I don't even fucking know you, and then they walk out the door and boom, incinerated, and you're like... What? Zach, I gotta I'm, tell okay. you, it's a little worse. Um, I'm gonna send you the clip. <laughs> But for me, it's just like, wow, here's something where you're trying too hard to make the stakes so high, and it just, it doesn't sure work as not. a result. And I'm not, that ha that's usually when it kills me in a game with a relationship, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, make sure you put the link in the video. So I will. Other, sorry, the uh, thing so other people can see it. I will absolutely do that. Um, one more lightning round question for you folks. Who is your gaming OTP? Do you have a gaming oh. one true pair? Ah, right. jeez. Uh, I... Fuck. Um, are you basically asking who is your video game waifu kind of thing? No, no, like your OTP. Like, like, how about this? Here, here's my example. 
Because I, I got a waifu. <laughs> I, can, I can give you a waifu. You know what? You, you can okay. either be OTP or a waifu. Let, let's, hear, let's hear it, Zach. Um, first waifu off the top of my head is probably Chie Satsunaka from uh, Persona 4. A solid pick. A solid, solid pick. <laughs> but I had to think of an OTP, so everybody else go. Um, well, for me, um, in Tales of Synthonia, they never resolve any relationships at all. It's very anime in the sense where everyone's just super good friends. And that upset me, because Sheena and Zelos belong together, and they never got to be together. Even in the sequel, that didn't address anything. And it upset me. Uh. <laughs> I had a really good idea, but then, uh, while trying to figure out Zach's wife, I completely forgot. Oh, no! Um, um, I, I did really like uh, Titus and Yuna in 10. Um, I think that's just because I thought that was kind of sweet. And My OTP. Yeah. I'm going to go... I guess I'm going to go to Fire Emblem on this one. Ooh! I'm going to Fire it. Emblem. And I'm trying to remember the characters. Oh, right. It was, uh... It was those two. I'm trying to remember their names. Excuse me while I go look this up. Wow, that... We're really good at this. <laughs> I'm perfect at this. Everybody... You don't have to have an answer. It's fine. It's fine. I just I know, wanted to I know... I need to. I need to answer this. Like, unless you know it off the top of your head, it's probably not that important. Um... Don't worry about it. No, but I actually <laughs> really liked this OTP. It was a really solid one. Oh, see, now I'm excited. Now I want to know. I, I, I know. I'm just trying to remember the names of the characters. It was Silas, and it was... Um, the princess on the very, very Japanese kingdom side, and I can't remember her name. <laughs> oh, I um, have one. You know who my OTP is? And they're never getting together. Well, they did in one game. Uh, Link and Zelda are the best. Oh! They oh, are the best. I, I changed they, mine to that. That's, they were that's always uh, kind of teased about, oh, maybe they, they kind of a thing. I remember Skyward Sword's really big thing was, no, they were pretty explicit, like, into each other. Mm. And it was like, oh, It's nice. That's uh, that's adorable. And Breath of the Wild looks like it might do that again. It's like, why don't I own a cop for Breath of the Wild right now yet? We're gonna find What's out. Alright, so Drew, what is your OTP? I already you told you. you. Oh, said. Fuck. Oh, fuck, what did he say? Say it again for Zach. there's a game called Tales of Synthonia. And there's a character oh, called right. Sheena and a character called Zelos, and they never officially get together, even though it's heavily implied, and it's just one of those things that bugged me that they never just went full bore with. And that's all I've got. So then, are you sure your favorite relationship isn't Master Chief and Cortana? No. Oh, are, you, are you sure? Are Adam, you real sure it's not Dom and his wife? That's Adam, we are we we are pouring out right now. We're, we're doing pour-outs, okay. Adam. <laughs> we're doing okay. pour-outs. I'm going to save my pour-out for last, because when I say it, it's going to kill one of us. I, so why don't you start? I have no pour-outs. I, I got to say everything I wanted to say this episode. Alright. Um, I'm going to do, do a pour-out for... Fuck, I don't have one either. Adam? <laughs> so, I'm going to pour one out for myself and for Zach... And for a lot of other people, today, on this day, is February 14th, 2017. Today is Valentine's Day, guys. It is. It was also the day that Persona 5 was supposed to be in, released. Oh. Until it got delayed. Uh, why aren't you, you playing could be playing, You could be playing Persona 5 right now, but then it got delayed until uh, March or April. 
Oh, why you gotta make me sad? Just pouring one out for everybody. Oh man, pouring it out. Like really, uh, I'm so like sad. Because the special edition is the Persona Five Steal Your Heart edition, and it was uh. because you know all of them are thieves, and uh. Uh, it was Valentine's Day, so they're gonna steal your heart. And then I got oh, the why late. Are you doing like, this? Oh my god! Fuck this entire, fuck everything and everyone. Uh. I could I could be playing Persona Five right now, but in some alternate timeline. You know where it came out. Why? There's my pour out. Well, I that's good. That we, let's I'm get a lesson. I'm glad you got that out, Zach. I'm so. Zach, give us a lesson. Hey there, everybody. Time there. Time now for the lesson of the day. Today's lesson is: When Kellogg Blueberry wants his food, feed him. Feed him right quick. That's the lesson of the day. Thanks, everybody. Thank oh, wow. you, Zach. That only sounded slightly sinister. <laughs> yeah. They're really sinister, and I have—I I really should have more innocent-sounding lessons of the day. <laughs> you, you know what? I like it. I'm going to go eat some cereal, some chocolate, and some wine. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my salty tears about Persona 5. Excuse me, friends. Yeah, <laughs> Going right to that zone too. See ya. Right, bye everyone. Thank you, listeners. Have a great night. We all love you. Bye. Hello, listeners. This is Drew's post-recording, post-editing pour-out for Oxenfree, a game that tackles relationships in a very interesting and, I think, beautiful way, where you get to get all kinds of fun, complicated, messy, high school, coming-of-age stuff. And I feel very foolish for not mentioning it earlier, and I'm going to just mention it now. Um, It's more indie trash for you. It's actually beautiful trash, and you should absolutely play it. And check it out for yourself.